This is exactly right. The big overall thing, which covers everything here, is you really got to try to take care of yourself. And I know that for many people who are overwhelmed and busy and parenting alone, overwhelming job, it might not be quantity, it might be quality and just take a little time. For some people, it's like locked in your bathroom reading a book just to get away from your kids. Like, just try to provide some self-care for yourself to mitigate. Hello, Parent Footprint listeners. Welcome to our bonus episode of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan, and thank you for your positive feedback. We also have some new artwork, and we are hearing positive feedback about our new art pack as well, and we owe that to our amazing podcast network, Exactly Right, for refreshing our logo, our social media, and we've been rolling it all out in April so take a look and tell us what you think. Yeah, it looks good. It looks good. That's what I think. Uh, we we're, we are aligned, Phil. <laughs> we are aligned. We have, uh, well, that's Phil, everyone. You know Phil. He is one of my favorite dads. He is also our audio engineer who makes us sound wonderful and seamless. <laughs> and uh, we enjoy talking about your questions, and they are um, great questions. Yes that we have yeah. a range of questions, um, which people have been sending us through our email podcast at drdanpeters.com and DMing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And so with all of that, Phil, hello. Hello, Dr. Dan. Yeah, we have a pretty nice representation of platforms uh, on this month's uh, list of questions, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And people find different ways of, of making their uh, making their voices heard to us. And of course, we encourage, 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 send your questions. No yes. question. There's no such thing as a bad question. And we love, love, love getting, uh, hearing you guys. Yes. And with that said, I think we shall jump in with the first question. The first question comes to us via email. Dr. Dan. Should I discourage my college-aged daughter from posting very specific details about her current medical health struggles on public social media? Will it be a stigma for later success and jobs? This is a really good and tough question. Mm. And, um, you know, these days, people, the training that we get or the training that many young kids get is everything you put out there is permanent. It, it's permanent. Like it never goes away. And there is this newer phenomenon in our social media culture where people of all walks of life and all different positions and places of, um, you know, have different positions of, um, whether it's media or a celebrity or it's athlete or it's business person or performer, people are getting more and more vulnerable yeah. and honest and transparent. It's actually a, a cultural shift. Yes. And 
there is a lot of great stuff that's happening with that because it reduces stigma uh, for mental health issues, people talking about mental health issues, their medical conditions, uh, just their struggles. And for, for people to know that there are other people out there who are dealing with really tough stuff, particularly people who might be influencers or might be famous, um, it really actually ultimately can have a really positive impact. Then the question becomes, like this question, is where is the line and what are the potential negatives? And I think it's gray at this point because mm -hmm. you're going to still have, we know that there's a lot of universities that look up people's social profiles, oh, there's yeah. employers that do. And I think it all probably depends on the, um, so the orientation and the, um, this, the culture of who's looking. So I think, I think my answer is it could be potentially harmful in some situations and it could not be. And I think the ultimate thing is to have that conversation with your teenager or young adult really, yeah. um, is, Hey, what, what do you know about this? Uh, here's some things that I've been thinking about. And it just seems like it's important to take into account how you'll feel about this two years, five years down the road. And if there are any avenues that you're pursuing professionally or in other areas, would you be concerned if people knew this about you? Mm -hmm. And of course, also, there is different settings, right? We have the our general public. Everyone gets right. hears about us versus our private uh, our private groups. Of course, of course, of course. And as you know, social media is a frequent topic in my household with two yes. teenage, uh, teenage daughters. And it's, it's not, it's not a black and white issue. Of, co of course it is, it is nuanced. I think one question that I would ask if, if, if one of my daughters came to me or I noticed a post about some, her health condition, if she had a, a health condition, I think my first question would be, what is your motivation for sharing this information, this private information publicly? How is this, how does this serve you? Just to try to understand what that impulse is, because while we see, as you mentioned, influencers, celebrities going to social platforms to talk about issues that they are facing, mental health issues, uh, general health issues can be very inspiring for people. And like you said, it, re it removes stigmas and it's one of the, one of the positive aspects of social media, but then also, uh, and especially with reviewing, uh, our daughter's social media from time to time, as we do seeing the kind of things that they're following or having them sit with us and, and go through some of it with us just to encourage that open dialogue, we've come to see there are a lot of social media channels where it seems to be utilized as a means of attention. People sharing whatever negative or whatever challenges they're experiencing, not in a way to be inspiring, but just kind of in a way to get some likes or get some attention. And I don't think that's, that's healthy uh, mm -hmm. at all. And that's why I think it's important to understand what the motivation is is behind this. And if it's if it's a casual thing too, if it's say, well, I just felt feel like sharing it, then I encourage you if that's the response uh, to 
encourage your child to pause for a or your young adult to pause for a minute and and ask themselves, why do I just want to share this? Because I don't think it ever ends up being that simple when you take a moment and you really think about it. Right. And with social media, your message can be out there in seconds flat. And I think just the speed of social media and the, the scrolling is in essence really decreasing that time for these these young people, particularly in the generation that has grown up with social media, right. it's decreasing that that response time and it's getting so narrow, it's it's pretty much all reactivity and reaction mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. what you're seeing on there. Or you see someone post something about their health condition and it seems like a great idea to you in the moment, but right. maybe it, it's not. Right. And once it's out, you just can't take it back. Once you hit that button, it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. Even if you are sharing in a private setting, mm -hmm. what's to say someone in your private group of friends on social media you're not going to have a falling out and they can't grab some screen snaps of stuff that is very private that you shared and they put it out there in yep. the public. Mm -hmm. It happens. It happens. So yeah, let's ask those, let's ask those questions. Right. Let's have that dialogue. Exactly. Best Di that's it. Dialogue. Mm -hmm. Agree. Yeah. Cause when, and when we talk to the kids here about it too, it, it is not, we try very hard not to have it feel like a lecture. Mm -hmm. Uh, trying to make it as much of a dialogue or discussion as possible while appreciating the fact that maybe only 10 or 15% of it is, is staying in there and the rest of it might be going out the other ear. But even still, I think you have a better chance when it's, when you're asking questions and, and discussing. Agreed. Great question though. And this, you know, one other thing I did think of as well, mm -hmm. as, as, as I was listening to you share, you know, share your wisdom. In a way, too, I think since these young people, this is kind of their world. Mm -hmm. While maintaining our expertise, you know, through life experience, it also can increase their confidence in themselves when you are asking them questions about this and and honoring the fact that you probably either already know some of this stuff or know more than we do. And we want to learn from you as well. Exactly. Yeah. That's a real, that's a really good point, Phil, because um, we all, us older people are really <laughs> just trying to understand all of this stuff. Yeah. And we, we, we come from it from our own lens and some yes. of it is helpful and some of it is very outdated and irrelevant. Yeah. So yeah. that's the, the inquiry and the us wanting to learn more and coming to these conversations with that stance really uh, can open up a uh, dialogue and drop defensiveness in our kids. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. That's a great question. Moving along. Uh, this question comes to us via Instagram direct message. Can you talk about sensory disorders and regulation, please? New parents here trying to navigate these unknown confusing terms with a preschooler. Yes. So, Sensory processing is a really important concept to understand. Um, so we'll start with some uh, explanation here. So sensory processing disorders, technically they're either called SPD, sensory processing disorders, and another uh, term 
is sensory integration disorder. Okay. What this means is it's basically how your brain processes, our brains process sensory information or stimuli that comes mm -hmm. in. So this information is things we see, things we hear, things we smell, things we taste, things we touch. It can affect all of our senses or it could just affect one or two of our senses. And really what the challenge is, is integrating what's coming in in our body and processing it in a way where we then can regulate the, the, yeah. the word that um, this great question um, pose, posed. So it's all about regulating our senses, making sense of the stimuli that's coming in. What happens is when people have a sensory processing disorder, they often are highly sensitive to one or more senses, one or more of the sensory stimuli that come in. Okay. Another term is developmental coordination disorder, or DCD, and that relates to gross and fine motor functioning, or a lot of people have heard of dyspraxia. It's yeah. another term for that. And basically, these are all sensory processing issues where you have difficulty performing coordinated movements. It could be fine motor, like buttoning, tying shoes, using utensils, uh, handwriting. It could be gross motor, which really affects the way you walk um, on the playground. And related to this is what's called proprioception, another term that you will probably hear at some point, or proprioceptive. And that is, again, how do we, motor planning, like how do we move, how do we plan to pick something up, to run, uh, hopscotch, dodgeball? Um, it, it, it affects kids where they don't really feel their body in space, so they're bumping into people. Mm -hmm. um, the other term that we also hear about is sensory seeking or sensory avoidant. So some of our kids are always like in your space, and they're in, yeah. and they're hugging, they're squeezing, and they're punching, but they're really needing this sensory release by yeah. the, by their they're actually judging where they are in space by touching people in yeah. space. And then there's the highly sensitive people who are sensory avoidant and they're, you know, running out of a room when someone sings happy birthday, screaming mm -hmm. and crying when uh, the toilet in a public bathroom is flushed, um, when loud theaters are overwhelming. And so a lot of those folks are sensory avoidant. So when it comes to a preschooler, this is really important because a lot of times big behavior or tantruming can be caused by underlying sensory processing issues or sensitivity. Okay. And people are always looking at like, okay, wh what's, why is this child melting down? Why is this child acting defiant? Because sometimes that defiance is, I'm not going in there, or I'm not going to do that, or I'm not taking a shower or a bath. This is another one that a lot of parents of preschoolers and young kids mm -hmm. get because they don't like the feeling of the water. That could be a sensory issue, yeah. which then is seen as a behavior issue. Mm -hmm. So really, if you are having these concerns, um, oh, one more, one more uh, issue that I didn't mention is um, posture instability yeah. or, you know, a child like kind of wobbly or what we call like a little rubbery, um, okay. which is their, their muscles are um, like sort of elastic. These are all sensory issues. So if a child is having a really difficult time in a preschool or daycare environment, it could be because of sensory overload. Um, the thing is to talk to your pediatrician um, 
is number one. And number two is occupational therapists are, is the field that specializes in sensory processing. And you can get an evaluation to see, is your child within a typical range, a, um, a little tick over or has significant issues. And then there is occupational therapy, which really helps with integration and regulation. Listening to all the different terms, you as, as a parent that would be, that is facing this as our, our uh, listener is, it's gotta be extremely overwhelming with all, all these uh, terms coming at you and all these potential paths to take to support your child Surely it's overwhelming. What advice would you have have for our listener who is mm-hmm. likely just feeling inundated with mm-hmm. all this information? Uh, and what would you say would yeah. be a good way to help them kind of manage the information and not feel just like they're drowning in it? Yes. So first off, kudos for just asking the question and being aware, right? So there, that means mm-hmm. there's already yeah. a level of yes. awareness that this is a um this is something that could be going on that might be impacting your child's development and behavior mm-hmm. i honestly like to me if you can find a pediatric occupational therapist well actually the first thing to do is actually to talk to the your pediatrician yeah because pediatricians know that range of um of development and is this Mm -hmm. something to monitor is this something that is typical and could be a developmental phase or is this something to get an evaluation so that that to me is the number one thing because sometimes we just go to we go fishing and we find all this information um and this is not to say that you won't find information that your doctor might not give you because that happens as well but that would be that's to me the first place because you're looking for some foundational feedback about your own child's development from a professional. And number two is to seek out a pediatric occupational therapist to to do uh, a screening. And that's something where you can get answers and ideas and potential solutions. Um, So the best thing is to try where I know you're leading this with Phil, which I appreciate is like trying not to future trip and not try not yeah. to be overwhelmed with worry and concern and the rabbit hole on the internet with all the terms yeah. and talk to someone who can really break it down to see, is this really something to, uh, to monitor and to do something about? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, you, you, uh, picked up where I was going with that very nicely. Yeah. And I think, too, to understand that as a parent, you are not going to figure things out completely, solve anything with one doctor's visit, with one internet search. It doesn't all have to happen in that moment because it's going to be something that evolves over time, too, as as your child grows as well. And so a willingness to to be flexible and to allow others to help support you in through this, be it the, the professionals that you're going to, your family members, friends, don't feel like you have to do it alone or figure it out all immediately. Yes. Okay. Great questions this week. Really mm-hmm. great questions. I mean, great questions every week. Who who are we kidding? We've got some very yeah. insightful, uh, insightful listeners out we there. We do. All right. Question number three came to us via email. 
Is there a way parents should speak to their children about a parent's cancer diagnosis? Children are middle school and high school age. Yes. Um, this is obviously a delicate situation. Yes. And so here are some recommendations. Some of these seem obvious, but I need to say them everywhere. Anyway, of course. So it's really important to get yourself in your own grounded space when sharing this information because our kids, uh, particularly our teens, really pick up on our energy. And so this is not that you won't be worrying and it's not that this is not, you know, a serious diagnosis. diagnosis. It's trying to be as grounded as possible to allow your child to absorb the information in a way where they're not having to take on your emotions as much as possible as well, because that will get in the way of them actually receiving the message and being able to process it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know this can be difficult, particularly in this situation. So you want to be in that place. You want to find a comfortable place to talk, a calm, comfortable place to talk, knowing your child. So some of your kids might like a particular room. Some of your kids might like a walk. You know, right? Some of your kids might like to be in certain places outside or in nature. It's trying to find that place that really will be more conducive to a comfortable conversation, not an, um, an uncomfortable defensive one. Because we know that a lot of times looking our kids in the eyes, having these serious conversations with them sometimes can be overwhelming as well. So know, you know your child. Try to find that space. And you want to be very honest about the process and about the diagnosis and about the treatment. Yes, you have to gauge it based on the age of your child, the developmental levels and the emotional maturity of your child, but trust is really important. So you want them to be able to trust you that you're giving them the truth so they don't have to be mm -hmm. fishing and be worrying oh, yeah. that they're not getting information or they're hearing parents whisper. You know, they always hear us when we don't think they're listening because they're very interested in what we're talking about. So honesty and being direct is important while taking into account who they are and their developmental age. You also want to revisit this. This is something that is not going to all be taken in at once, um, particularly the concern and the worry and anxiety that would be very normal for a child to feel. So it, it takes time. Um, you want to ask them in all of these conversations if they understand what you're saying. Do they have any questions? And here's the thing. You don't have to have all the answers right then. And if there is something that is actually you're conflicted about saying because you um, either don't know the answer or it feels too big, you can buy some time and say, you know what, I don't know that, but I'm going to gather that information. Because again, you're wanting to instill trust and stability, even in a situation which is, is a very fear-invoking situation. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to, I'm going to go a little bit beyond the talk here, you want to try to keep life routines as consistent and regular as possible given the circumstances, but also let them know when at some point things might change. So if you or your spouse or family member is going to be going through certain treatments, how it, things might change, you might not be able to take them to these. 
Um, after your treatments, you might be tired and need to sleep more. Um, we want, again, to front load all of this so there is not reducing the amount of surprises, these negative surprises. Also, it's okay to ask your teens for help, but you also want to be mindful of not to overwhelm them with too much responsibility mm -hmm. because we want them to still be in their life as much as possible while, of course, sensitive and connected to the family situation. But so that's, that's, that's a balancing act. A few other suggestions. You want to, as time goes on, ask them specific questions like, what's it like for you when I'm gone um, on Tuesdays for treatment or dad or mom or whomever is gone? Mm -hmm. the, the general questions, hey, how you doing? That's not recommended because that's just too general and it's probably not going to get to the actual issue, right. which is to talk about the cancer and keep it real as something that is existing in the family um, in a, in a, in a um, honoring and respectful way with, without it being an overwhelming thing as much as possible. Um, I got a few more things to say here. This is, of course, as time goes on, is what to look for if your teen is struggling. And these are the, the usual things we talk about, which is a change in their behavior, change in um, interests, um, change in academic performance or going to school, change in or over or under involvement in their friends um, and mood issues. And of course, we always are one to be looking out for drugs and alcohol, which um, kids tend to go towards when they are not feeling good as an escape or release. And it's also important to remember that teens, it's common for teens to have other people to talk to rather than you, whether it's their friends or their mm -hmm. cousins or aunt and uncles or grandparents. So just remember the whole village. Um, it yeah. doesn't all have to be from you, from you, but you also want to offer them opportunities and at times maybe a support group or a counselor if that's something that they are wanting and that's something that maybe you are suggesting for them for support. But again, we don't want to force. We just want to make this as much as possible an um, interactive uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Mm -hmm. I, I have no doubt that this is as a parent, one of the largest challenges you could possibly face. Uh, and I think, you know, I have not personally experienced this. I've experienced this through some friends who have, have fought cancer, uh, who have, have children of varying ages. They found strength in being able to be there and support their children right through through this journey too and having their children observe them being strong in those moments where they're where they're sharing exactly what's what's going on and i think while it is very emotional and i am a big fan of our kids seeing us as human beings as they are there are times where they do need to kind of they do need to see that rock as well. And I would, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Dan, but I think this would be one of those moments where they do need to see that, okay, you know, mom or dad has, 
has this health thing going on. But in my eyes right now, they are just appear as strong as yeah. ever. And yeah. I think that will help that conversation when they see that you are handling it calmly and strongly and allowing them to ask questions or say, you know, you don't have to ask or say anything right now. If you just need to process this, I won't ask you every five minutes how you're doing because mm -hmm. teenagers they they don't really like don't that. like that at no. all. No. Yeah. But it's like you said too, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it takes a village and, and, and encourage them if they don't feel comfortable sharing their feelings about what's going on with you or all of their feelings that that's okay. As long as they are sharing it with someone mm -hmm. that, that is part of their, you know, part of their trusted person list, then that's yeah. great. Yeah. And we Get wish that? you, we wish you well. I was, yes. <laughs> we are of the same wavelength, yes. you know, yeah. good luck. And you yeah. know, we wish you, we wish you the best. All right. Question number four comes to us via Facebook. Any easy ways for special needs dads to talk to other dads about April and autism because as you know, April is Autism Awareness Month, and maybe explain why autism acceptance is better than autism awareness, because kids with autism don't try to change for the rest of us. They need us all to accept them as they are. Yes, and this is actually a very nuanced question <laughs> for people who are not in the field of autism mm -hmm. or um, are not, don't live with autism or have family members with autism. So what I would say to dad, this dad is it starts with explaining the difference. And I think because this is autism awareness month, it's a great in to say, Hey, yeah. you know, um, I want to just, I want to tell you about something that, that, I that's important to me or that I've learned um and it is autism awareness month you know you should kind of it's a good segue and right. so here's here's the deal and this is someone me who in the field mm -hmm. this is this I wasn't even aware of this difference at you know, at some point as well it was there was a big push for a while for autism awareness which is to be aware of neurodiversity, to be aware of differences. And that was huge movement, right? To have Autism yeah. Awareness Month. And the next wave came autism acceptance. So what is the difference? And so when you peel this apart, and again, this is by way of explaining to people so they know the difference, is autism awareness is thought to really focus on differences. So yes, it's, a, it's acknowledging that there is neurodiversity. There's people who are wired differently and mm -hmm. who act differently and have different levels of abilities across our human spectrum. But the core is that it's based on difference and that we need to accommodate and in some cases in the negative way, like tolerate these differences acceptance on the other hand is we embrace who you are we're not trying to change you so an autism awareness is i understand why you are different and i understand that you have different needs the other ex version the acceptance is you are you i am me 
and I accept you for who you are. I embrace you for who you are. And I understand that when I might be excited, I might laugh or I might scream. When you're excited, you might flap or move around. And it's just a different expression of a feeling. So at the core, it's trying to help people, this dad helping other dads, and people helping other people understand that awareness is important, but what we want to move towards is acceptance of this human being for who this human being is and embracing them because of who they are, not in spite of who they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, beautifully stated. I think acceptance is an extremely powerful word. Uh, and there is that, there is, I think acceptance is such a powerful word because there is the self portion of that. Really, acceptance is not about so much the other person. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's that is within you. And that is certainly something that we as human beings have, we have control over that, whether or not, whether or not we think we do and accepting something or acceptance, not always doesn't always feel good at first, right? It could be confusing, but, <laughs> or whatever, but it is, uh, it's empowering and yeah. it is. And then on the other side of it to be accepted is extremely powerful, uh, extremely meaningful, and it can be contagious as well. Yes. It, so I, I just yeah. think that is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a strong message. And it's much, it's, it takes more intention and authenticity to accept than this to be aware of differences, to actually accept that, um, yeah. to accept you for, I accept you for who you are, period. Yes. As opposed to, yes. I accept you and your differences. Again, it's better than not accepting it at all, but that's not the message that we're looking right. for or that our listener is looking for. Right. And I think aware, awareness is important. Awareness mm -hmm. is step one. Yes. But awareness and being aware is somewhat of a a passive uh, a, a passive state. Awareness is yes. a passive state. When you are moving on to acceptance, you're taking that knowledge from being aware and putting it into action. And that is what yes. completes the picture. From passive to active. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Yep. I love mm -hmm. it. And I yep. love and we love getting uh, our uh, listener dad questions. So thank you, thank you, uh, special needs dad, for for sharing your question for this week's show. All right, final question, question number five comes to us via Facebook. Okay, busy mom writing a DM here. Just saw that April is Stress Awareness Month, which I did not know, and honestly, uh, busy mom, I didn't know that either. Mm -hmm. What are some types of stress, and how can we handle stress? Yes. Uh, tips for younger kids, teens, parents would be so helpful. I didn't know that either until I had read the question. So it's yes. really important to know as well. Um, okay, so let's define stress for so we all know what we're talking about here. We use that a lot. I'm stressed. I'm stressed out. Okay, so we mm -hmm. can define stress as a state of worry or mental tension caused by a difficult situation. Worry or tension caused by a difficult situation. Now, stress is a natural human response, and 
everyone experiences stress to some degree. And we know that there is le some levels of stress that actually help with performance, like peak mm -hmm. performance, right? So mm -hmm. this is part of our part of who we are and part of our environment. So but we want to keep stress at a manageable level. So what are the types? So generally, the types are acute stress, which is something that's just happening like a huge dose in a certain situation. Mm -hmm. Then there's episodic acute stress. So it happens. And then it doesn't happen. And then it happens. So this is like a situation that could keep repeating itself and could be very mm -hmm. intense and stressful while it occurs. And then it has a cycle. <laughs> yeah. And then there's chronic stress, which is where we are dealing with stress ongoing. And that stress is really depleting and has large implications for our mental health and our physical health. Um, what are some causes of stress? Well, just being under a lot of pressure, a lot of being under pressure at work, at school, in your parent role, um, just pressure. Um, changes, transitions that causes lots of stress. There's a list of like the top hundred stresses, um, stressors. And uh, sometimes people are going through several of the top five all at once. And that can be a lot like a big move, a divorce, a change of job, change of relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are these are biggies, a loss of a loved one, huge uh, financial stresses. So then um, there are also we're worried about something ongoing worry can cause lots of chronic stress when we don't have control over the outcome or we ha don't have perceived control of the outcome of a situation that causes acute and prolonged stress. If you have responsibilities that are feel overwhelming, just too much or too big. Um, and conversely, if you actually don't have enough responsibilities or you don't have enough activities, or you don't have enough work or change in your life, that can be very stressful. Um, and then, of course, there is too much discrimination, hate, and abuse out there, and that causes both acute and chronic stress for way too many people out there. Yeah. Okay, so that's what it is. Those are some of the causes. What do we do about it? Um, there's several things we can do about it to try to go from passive to active. Our new theme. Okay. And, 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 and the first one, the first one actually <laughs> is to get active. So basically mm -hmm. any form of physical activity is a stress relief. So run, jog, bike, hike, climb, dance, um, walk, anything to get out there, yoga, um, all, any physical activity relieves stress and is very, very good for our mental health and our physical health. Um, meditation is also something, especially you can get the, these very low cost or free apps, uh, calm apps. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's several of them out there. There's little meditations that you can run through. Um, laughing is actually a yeah. wonderful, right? Laughing humor is a wonderful antidote to stress. Connecting with others is really important. Talk with people about your stress. Talk with people about your interests. Ch like just something to get you to move through the stress and to be distracted. Asserting yourself. So often we, when we're stressed, we feel out of control. We feel a lack of control. We feel powerless. When we assert ourselves in a situation, speak up for ourselves, say what we need, make a change, that is an active step against 
the stress and feeling out of control and powerless. Um, sleep. Sleep is really Big important. One. And one. stress can get in the way of our sleep. So um, we need to be really mindful of our sleep. Eating healthy also is very, um, can really mitigate against stress, just like the opposite of eating lots of sugar, um, lots of, you know, fast foods, like things that are not good for our body, too much of it, like anything in moderation Mm -hmm. is fine, but too much of it. Yeah. Caffeine. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, which also leads to, um, drugs and alcohol. Again, we talked about in a previous question, you know, adults go towards anything that is a stress reliever. And while that can help too much of that also can make things much, much worse. So we just have to be mindful of what we're putting in our body. A few more things. Take some breaks from social media and the news and things that are actually causing more stress. Like research has shown that our news these days and social media, it causes (laughs) stress, anxiety, and depression. Like it's data. So please be aware of that. Try to schedule time to unwind and to chill, even if that is doing a physical activity, but you Mm -hmm. have to carve that out for yourself. And finally, like the big overall thing, which covers everything here is you really got to try to take care of yourself. And I know that for many people who are overwhelmed and busy and parenting alone, overwhelming job, it might not be quantity. It might be quality and just take a little time for some people. It's like locked in your bathroom, reading a book just to get away from your kids. (laughs) Like just try to provide some self care for yourself to mitigate. Yeah. And I mean, I have, I have very little to add to that. Uh, that self-care is critical because also what it will do for you in that moment, even if you have, it's, it's a five minutes of enjoyment of something. Even if that something is nothing, it's better if it is something a little bit, will make you realize that whatever stresses, multiple stressful situations you are managing does not comprise your whole world. Mm-hmm. That stress is not your identity. And really that's what these activities we engage in help us maintain in these stressful situations also is that sense of identity, which can easily get swept away in that torrent of stress. So I, I can't emphasize that enough. Do something for you, something as silly as playing a video game, locking yourself in the bathroom to read a book, all great things. And then also remind yourself to maybe when you're feeling a little less stressed because you've done something for yourself that you've had stressful situations in the past that probably felt like they were going to last forever Mm. and ask yourself, did it last forever? Yes. And odds are you'll be able to find at least one situation in your past that didn't last forever. And this too Mm. shall pass. Shall pass. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that that was a that was a great ending. So I'm gonna mess that great ending up because I just have to say <laughs> one one thing that I I didn't I didn't externalize enough. I said meditation, <laughs> but I just really it's breathing. Yes, right. Yes. So when we're I just have to say it, like it's so obvious, but it's it's so important when we are stressed, sitting down and doing deep belly breathing, mm-hmm. not chest breathing, because chest breathing is fear, anxiety breathing, mm-hmm. belly breathing counts of anywhere from four to six to eight in and the same Mm -hmm. count out do it for a minute 
it gives your body a sense of calm. It brings oxygen to your brain and we actually can feel more relaxed in the moment. Yeah, it works. Yes. It really does. It does work. You just have to take that first breath. <laughs> yes. Motivate yourself to take that first breath. But, uh, and honestly too, when you have that moment where you come down a notch and you have that moment of awareness just of your breath, mm -hmm. it'll feel like the first time you had, you took a breath in forever and it will be such a great feeling. So give it a shot. It can't hurt. At the yes. very least, it cannot hurt. All right, let's all do that together, everyone. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're all going to take a big breath in. And release a big breath out. Look That's at that. Nice. We're all practicing nice. stress reduction for Stress Awareness Week. I love and, it. Yes. I love it. Wow, great. You know what? The the questions really stretch us. And yeah, uh, again, thank you guys for these very personal and important questions, which so many people benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. So keep keep them coming, guys. Uh, you know where to send them and follow us at, at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. Our website, www.drdanpeters.com. Thank you for listening to our weekly shows, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan, that drop every Thursday. And of course, these new bonus episodes that drop the last Tuesday of each month, all in your regular feed. You can subscribe on the Wondery app to hear all of our past bonus episodes and all of our podcasts for free. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of our community. Do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself that guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.